Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. The artist Nora Maitenieves has her head in the clouds. Her paintings and her video projects make us look differently at the cloudy skies. The clouds she could see through the concrete breeze blocks in her home of Puerto Rico. The clouds poking between high-rises in New York City. And now the clouds draping over the water in West Palm Beach, where she's the artist-in-residence at the Norton Museum of Art. Clouds have been very good to Nora. Her new exhibit, Clouds in the Expanded Field, is the highlight of her residency in South Florida. It'll be showing at the Norton through July 7th. It's also her first solo exhibit. Nora uses her art to connect her Caribbean roots to the skies above whatever city she might find herself in. Today, she finds herself in our studio. So let's talk clouds with Nora. Nora, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. You braved that drive from West Palm Beach <clears throat> yes, to down uh, here. I've made I told you I've made that drive. It's uh it can get tricky. So thank you for coming it, all the way down. Yeah, thank you. It was it was very smooth. Um I took the express line. Oh, very good. And did it the right way. And good weather, so I can't complain. Perfect. <clears throat> well, that puts us in, uh, in, in, we can talk about weather. We can talk about clouds in particular, since that's the title of your, of your new exhibit. exhibit. And I'm curious, how did that, how did you start um, thinking about that being like a metaphor for the art that you were trying to, you were trying to create? To create, um, about the clouds. Mm, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it kind of started a little bit in the pandemic and a lot of walks in the park. Mm. I was in Brooklyn, um, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, for most of the time in New York. Oh, so that and that was a time that was really. I mean, we had it a lot different than New York City, where you have lots of high rise, a lot of people packed in together, and a lot of people yeah. trapped in their buildings for a lot of times, right? Yes, yes, it was very intense, especially especially at the beginning. Um, you will not stop listening to ambulance and like it felt really real. Yeah. Um, not only like through the radio or the news. But we could hear it. Um, the, as a difference, like other places that are open landscapes and more spread out. Sure. Like in New City, you you will feel it. Um, so it kind of started after that. Like we started walking more through after the month keep going. And you realize you can go outside without the mask. <laughs> um and you found yourself like looking up at the skies. Looking a lot at the sky yeah. with my husband, um, Jonathan Garner, which is also an artist. And we spent time looking at the clouds. Jonathan was here in the studio with us today yes, in the other room. Is. What's up, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he paints a lot of clouds in his paintings. Um, it's Clouds are very uh, part of our history and, and the history of painting and landscape. And I thought... We should spend more time looking at clouds. Like, what will happen if clouds disappear? Our atmosphere will like disintegrate. So you started. You started. You used that as kind of an entryway to start thinking about big questions. Like, what big questions can we address? Can we talk about when we're thinking? You use using your art as a medium to to answer some of these questions. To to answer some of that, and and I think we started looking like you kind of wanted like to breathe and like to find some hope and some exit through the reality that we were experiencing. And and I thought my husband, um, we started like an Instagram account called um, Clouds Watchers Club. I think it is the Instagram account. Cool, everybody check that out. <laughs> clouds Watchers um, Club. Just to show like clouds whenever we can because we have a lot of photos. And then um, 
I said, I think I want to paint some clouds. Like it and started to become an inspiration yes, for you. Yes, and I and I was like, why? He said, why not? Just do it. So that's how I started. And that and that got you to to West Palm Beach. Yes. Like, because you're originally from Puerto Rico. From Puerto Rico. You're born there, and mm-hmm. you spent a lot of time in New York. But yes. but coming here, this this has got to feel like something in between Puerto Rico and. It does feel like right? that. Um, the landscape feels very familiar. Um, the weather. Uh, in Puerto Rico, I mean, you don't have here the mountains in the background of right. the landscape, which is very Sierra, predominant. Right. After you like come out of the airport, you see the clouds, everything, but also the mountains in the background. And <clears throat> but the weather, that heat, that hi- hit your face when you come out of the airport, you know, you feel that's that. familiar, yes, right? Very familiar. <laughs> So talk to me about that. Like you get here into West Palm Beach and how did that how did that play into your what you were thinking about at the time, the art that you're thinking about and how did you how did you use the place, right? The uh-huh. place of West Palm to create. So I have visited South Florida before hmm. and I have family in that lives in Orlando. Okay. Uh from but you know, they they moved years ago, so more recently. Yeah, there's a huge Puerto Rican population yes. in Orlando for exactly. years and years now, yeah. So um when I come I always like very like surprised well not surprised but like amazed by the beautiful clouds that are in this open landscape which is so flat that you can like see miles of clouds. And so I had that in mind and I felt, you know, this might connect with the people in South Florida. Right. And you and that's interesting to me because you um when you talk about clouds you have this image of something very soft and and kind of uh, wispy and hard to wrap your mind around mm-hmm. but your art is very bright and it's very vibrant and it's like and it's not about the clouds it's what you see it's 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 the environment that you're looking through into the clouds is what it feels like. Yes, it's So it feels very it feels very active, it feels very bright and urban and very relatable. Yes, and it's very physical. Hmm. Um and clouds are very ephemeral and like hard to um contain and like to grasp, you will not be able to touch them for if you you know if you're up there. Um and for me it's also like hard when you look at it and you take a photo, you are looking at the landscape and you would like to capture that, but the photo has like a frame and you miss. There's something that miss in the medium. And I think it also happened in painting. So for me, it was like I have to portray this subject matter of clouds in a way that brings something new, in a way that evoke more of a atmosphere of a temperament mm. of a mystery because it's a painting um you will right. not experience the same thing in real life right um so the painting is something different it's it's imagination and it's a interpretation of what you see right i'm curious how how you know kind of being in different environments inspires you let's talk mm-hmm. about inspiration mm-hmm. for a little bit right yes um you you grew up in puerto rico um, and then you find yourself in New York, which is has a huge uh, Puerto Rican diaspora. Uh-huh. Um, and do you find yourself trying to draw parallel? And then you find in West Palm, which you know we uh, South Florida has its contingent of of, of of a Puerto Rican community, yeah. But in a different sense, do you find tr- yourself trying to find things that are that relate between those things to draw inspiration? Well, I I find connections through architecture and. Hmm. 
uh, the more modernist references in houses and buildings, the modernist um, uh, concrete breeze blocks, the ornamentation of, of of architecture, and that's something that inspired me. And I bring I bring that from memories that I have of places I live in Puerto Rico. Right, and breeze blocks I think are also big in South Florida too. We should explain that like a lot of houses were built with these kind of um, concrete cutouts mm -hmm. in certain walls to kind of encourage a, a path. The airflow. Airflow in a time where pre-air uh, conditioning, which like my house was built pre-air conditioning and so were a lot of South Florida houses. Exactly, and, and it's very wise. And I, th I think it should continue, even though um, we have AC. And I think that part of architecture should like be embraced and expand and bring brought now right. in the new um, designs. Um, because we never know, like hurricanes happen, lights go out, you know, so... Um, Listen, as someone who's been out of power for three <laughs> weeks uh, during a hurricane in South Florida, yes, if your house has good airflow, it makes a big difference. And it's something that it was thought from the beginning of like making buildings and, and houses and construction, like before. Because you had to, because how else were you going to live down here? I, I want to say that a lot in the Florida's West Coast... You had a lot of houses that were designed literally with high, really high ceilings and all completely designed for airflow structure. And I, I know architecture is really interesting to you. You thought you were going to be is, an architect, it right? It is. And it, and, it, and it impact your behavior, impact your, um, the ambience, your mm -hmm. mood, everything, like even like light coming through the windows in the way that affect the space. Um, it affect you, and and I like those things about. That's what I like about architecture. Um, when I was like l at some point in my teenager, uh, I don't know years, I contemplate the the possibility of becoming an architect uh, because I like the idea of designing things. It also makes it all if you have if you have parents who are not artists, which I think in yes. your case, like that, that's a sensible thing. Well, you seem to be very creative. Uh, yeah. Let's let's get you into a field that that uh, feels tangible. Yes. Right. And uh, and we had we had the artist Jermaine uh, Barnes, who is an artist and an architect. And oh. and he talked about a lot about those things on the show. Uh, folks can find that on our in our podcast library. But that 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 feeling of architecture is more than just a. Uh, a construction of a building or a place it's mm -hmm. more like how that thing interacts with its own particular yeah. environment from right? with humans right like with the people who's gonna experience it with the people who are gonna use it right yes and and I think the architects that have that in mind um, are designing more successful spaces mm. and more um, fair and more um, uh, generous Fair. Talk to me about that. What is yeah. it about? What is what kind of architecture do you says fairness? Like, what do you mean when you say fairness in in designing a place? I think thinking first um, of the person and the people who's gonna experience it, who's mm -hmm. gonna live there, what do they do there, what what the space is gonna be used for, and find compromise between your design. Um, desires and ambitions as as an architect and and but also with the the use of the space and and how is the best way for the for who you are designing and i think it's like more user center 
Um, I feel like you have a like this is a this is a, <laughs> a, a topic that you're going to come back to at some point yeah. in, your, in your career yeah. here. Is that something that's interesting to you is from what you've seen and your, your, your view and some of your art is so much through architecture. Has that been something of interest to you? Like, how can I apply this, what I've learned from an artistic standpoint from a, to, to something more tangible? I think that's these are interested that uh, are part of my, 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 myself that I have learned through my career. I also dis, uh, work and study graphic design, and that took me into working with a um, design studio in Puerto Rico from that belonged to an artist from Puerto Rico, uh, Marimate O'Neill, and the design studio was um, called Rubber Band hmm. LLC. And with them, I learned how to design websites and how to really think about the design user, about the people that you are working for. And it's, it's really a mindset that um, kind of put the designer a little bit in the back seat, mm. more as a witness and a researcher and to understand what are the needs of what I'm going to solve. Because a designer is a, solve, is a problem solver. And I think that has stuck to me and I learned from that and when I bring that way of thinking to my art, it's a little bit, it switched a little bit because I feel like becoming, a, being an artist and making art and painting especially, which is a little bit more alone, it's less um, teamwork. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can bring people to work with you, um, but it's a little bit more selfish in a way of like, um, it's what I want to do. Right. <laughs> And this is my voice, and this is what I want. Um, well, I, I want to ask you more about that, yeah. about about those anxieties and fears in the creative process um, yeah. and, and how you got to this point. Our guest today is Nora Maite Nieves. She's currently the artist-in-residence at the Norton Museum of Art in West Palm Beach. Her current exhibit, Clouds in the Expanded Field, is now open at the Norton, and it's uh, showing uh, through July 7th. I, you know, you're talking so much uh, about this creative process and, like, how you begin to get into that that space and and that's what's interesting to me is both what is inspiring to you and kind of dealing with the anxieties in in that pro, in that mm -hmm. process. So, uh, talk to me about that. We're like, what is like? How do you get into a creative space? Um, uh, it's it's a it's something that I don't uh, think about it too mm -hmm. much. I just I just do and I just go into it and and work. Because um, you were telling me earlier that sometimes yeah. in your studio you'll put on a podcast, oh yeah, or you'll put on some music. What um, kind of what kind of music gets you usually like your 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 juices flowing? Well, I I have a lot of guilty pleasures and okay, in okay, music. that's fine. Listen, <laughs> it doesn't all have to be Stravinsky. Like, what, no. what what what's your guilty pleasure in music? Oh, I don't know. Um, a lot of like Spanish things from the eighties and the nineties. I love it. Like um, what? Uh, Juan Luis Guerra, Juan Luis Guerra, uh, Davila. I don't remember Yolandita um, uh, Monge. I mean Luis Miguel. Yes. I mean this like really like things that um, I would listen on the way to school with my mom in the car. Was your mom big into music? Because I'm curious about your parents. Like growing yes. up in an environment that that breeds a little bit of of a creative spirit. I mean, my dad is a lawyer, and my mom, um, she's like kind of like a later became more of a paralegal 
Um, Working with your dad in the in the field? No, actually, it happened after they got divorced. <laughs> okay, she's like, well, I learned, I've heard so much yeah. about this in my entire life, exactly. married to this man. I might as well use some of it. Yes, and <laughs> so anyway, uh, my mom always put the radio in in Puerto Rico was like a stereo tempo. I was I remember that uh, radio station, which is more romantic, more boleros, more balada, and so we will listen to that and we'll sing the songs. I mean, I think that's not a very uh, collective experience <laughs> um, that my generation had. <laughs> were were there, who were the artists that you knew in your life growing up? Because I'm always curious, like, what is it, what is the, the person or the event that you witness that makes you start thinking, oh, this is a thing that I could do? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I was, I always liked to draw, like, you know, in my what I call my free time, which was like <laughs> all the time. Um, <laughs> right, before you have to work for a living, yeah, it's all free exactly. time, right? Um, and I was, I think it was in fourth grade, and I had this friend in in that time in elementary. Uh, her name is uh, Nicole Bueso, and she saw me like drawing, and she likes to draw too, and she uh, told me, oh, my dad is a painter. He's an artist. I kind of like didn't believe her, until one day she invited me to her house and her dad came out with the painter hat and to greet me and my mom and you know with his wife Tere and so I could go and play there and when he came out I'm like oh my god he is a painter so he had like a some painter hat like that he, was he, he covered lived, in that he was yeah. he covered in paint was he No he wasn't but he looked artistic i don't even know how to explain it he looked like more bohemian like a kind of like a musician and you're like I, this but that spoke to you yes and i was like oh she was this is true right and as soon as i walk in into her house all the walls of her house were completely covered in in artwork uh, in artworks wow painters pa painting um a lot from him a lot of from augusto marie like other painters from his generation and and that that was Andy Hueso. Andy Hueso. And he like he is a well known artist Puerto in Puerto Rico. Um, artist in Puerto Rico, right? Artist in Puerto Rico. And that so you happen to be in this place to be exposed. I mean, it, it goes just you know every, yes. every every even big towns or small towns, right? Yes, and and he is my archetype of what an artist was and is. You and imprinted on that like a like a yes, baby bird. It was imprinted <laughs> on me, and I thought. Oh my God, I, I want to do this. Like, how can I? I just, not even realizing I want to do this, I just felt like at home in some way. Like, mm -hmm. like this is my, this feels good. Right. I always, I always call that like finding your tribe. Yes. Right. Like yes. that moment where you feel that you see other people doing a thing that, that you connect with in some way. And it turned out that he had a, uh, he has a studio on the top of his house. Um, his artist studio, which I got the chance to see later, but uh, he also had in the in another house in University Gardens in Rio Piedras in San Juan, mm. Puerto Rico. Uh, he had the, his academy of art. Wow! Where he would teach from kids to adults, um, and and like older teenagers and uh, young people, young artists. He would teach them art. And they say, oh, if you, why don't you bring Nora to classes? To, to come take some, take some art classes. Yes. So that changed your life. That changed my life. 
Yeah. And, and being around that, in other words, you were exposed to this kind of archetypal uh, artist who turns out to be one of the best known painters of his yeah. time in Puerto Rico. And now you're surrounded with other people who've been struck in the same way. Yes. What was that like to be able to then kind of develop that and, and I just mean, breathe it, into that? Just just thinking of breathing into it, um, just walking into the, the workshop, the, the art salon, um, just to smell. The smell of paint, the smell of charcoal, of pencil, uh, of sharpeners, um, of art materials, basically. Uh, it was magical, and I felt like, oh, it just, it just feels good. And, and he teach me how to look at things, how to um, understand and transfer what I was seeing into paper. Hmm. And I, uh, that's where it started. And... I never thought, oh, I was gonna become an artist. I just like felt like this is something that I like to do and learn. How did how did the people around you kind of uh, did they begin to see that from the outside that that this was something that was becoming a larger and larger part of your life and the way that you see that you saw the world? Yeah, I mean, after I think I did like a couple of years or three years with him, um, and then I mean, my mom I think at some point couldn't afford the glasses anymore right. for the, the time the art I mean, school hard. is not free yeah <laughs> and uh, I continue living and, and always like drawing and stuff um, on my own and it was in 11th grade that I had the opportunity to join and enter to the Central de Artes Visuales it's a high school in Puerto Rico in, in Santurce it's like a center for visual arts yes okay. center for visual arts um, is a high school specializing art in fine arts and it's very unlikely like someone will like enter an 11th grade but i did it's a oh, whole wow. story so it was a whole oh, you got into <laughs> it wanna, you got into school i don't know it's it's that's another podcast episode if you say so i mean, I mean <laughs> we're, we're in one right now um but but i got in and i picked the painting and drawing studio and and so having access to that especially at an early age which was mm -hmm. you know it now becomes instead of one thing that you do and one part of your life it's like central and everything else kind of gets built up around it talk to me about the f like those moments where you started to realize that that this could be central to your career like you could make a career of this and that you had a lot of, you had something to say through yes. your work um well when i when i entered to la central this high school i i started in the drawing and painting and I thought this is what I want to do mm, mm, this is what I want to do forget about being a lawyer forget about being an architect I want to be a painter I want to be an artist I always had this moment because I've, I've, I've been a writer for my whole life and I had this moment where a teacher once said to me it was like a like I was very critical of some Shakespeare thing in class and he, and he was you know he said something mm -hmm. like you know you should really make writing for a living and it was the first time someone had told me that I could do that was there was talk to me about those moments people that that mentor you had said something to you that really stuck with you that helped you keep going because i'm sure at some point your mom or your dad said hey how about architecture yes uh, yes you know they, they, they were a little bit worried but at the same time they supported me um i am very um persistent hmm. i am very um, a little bit stubborn um can we bring in jonathan and ask him about that yeah see how a little bit of liberal stuff. i'm kidding um <laughs> And it was uh, it was challenging because I I started there 
with a lack of skills and a lack of preparation. Oh, interesting. Um, you you knew that you had more to say than your skills were caught up to yet. Your yes. skills hadn't caught up to your to your uh, your your thought process. And yet. the T-shirt, I remember he told me. Um, I said I want to be here, and he said, uh, "Are you sure? Mm. Why don't you take the weekend to think about it? Mm. Because um, maybe your a dream can become your worst nightmare." Oh, and I and that like that just gave me gasoline. Oh, <laughs> to really? To come back. So you're like 16 years old and that could have really taken the wind out of yourself. And then but I'm like, the opposite. yeah, I think I was like 16 or 15 or something like that. And I left and I went to Andy Wessel. I went to this, to the, his, I, I knew where his studio was and his uh, academy. And I said, Hey, can I talk to you? This is happening. I got him. Can you, what would you do? And he said, go back on Monday, get in that classroom, sit down and start. And you will come back here every Saturday and I'll help you. You're, wow. go you're gonna you're gonna um you're gonna cut up with the other students. You're gonna uh you're gonna you're gonna do it. It's it's not a big deal. Everyone that wants to do it, do it. And I did that. I went back on Monday and I sit down and I said Something that I love and it's my dream, it can never be my nightmare. And I sit down and I started. Amazing. So he, um, in more than one way, he he became further than inspiration. He 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 boosted you up. He kept you he, going he on that path. Up. And at the end, I graduated and um, as a senior, and he gave me the award of drawing. Wow! From um, someone who was who had was late to the game with technical skills. Yes. Now you get this award. He gave me the award, and I appreciate it because I think, you know, he he as a prof as a teacher, like he knew he saw like lack of 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 uh, skills. He he wanted maybe to protect me in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I don't know, um, but it just for me was like a fuel. Okay, I'm gonna do this. Like. Uh, uh, I go to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, you bet on yourself. <laughs> I bet on myself. And he, I think he he appreciated and he awarded me and like um, supported me after that. Talk to me then about that lesson, right? That lesson to really bet on yourself and believe mm -hmm. in yourself and, and, and work on your craft, right? Yeah. How did that, how has that played into your career now when you, when you get a big fellowship and now you're the artist in residence at the yeah. Norton, you know, when you... You know, you're given this opportunity. Um, how do you use that when you have those moments of, of in of in, of uncertainty? Uncertainty. You know? Well, I think I found that through my whole life, through my whole career. Hmm. Um, those moments of what to do. This is hard. Can hmm. I do it? I doubt myself, and I try to find that person again and be like, I can do it. I just, I just, I will push through. Sometimes I think I push through too much. <laughs> And I <laughs> burn out, um, but I love I love a challenge, and uh, I take it, and I I feel like I develop through my career, my 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 character, a sense of responsibility, mm. and it happened at jobs. I have I have worked so many things, um, and I feel like once I take something, I that's I feel responsible and I go and I go through it until the end. And I feel like 
when this opportunity came at the Norton Museum of Art, for me was a little bit nerve wracking and nervous. Like this is like so big. Like, do I deserve it? <laughs> you know, like you start to doubt the imposter yourself. syndrome, right? The imposter syndrome, right, and I'm right. like, oh my god! And my husband is like, of course you are. You have worked really hard, and sorry, at the curator, other chairman of the show, mm. which is the one who invited me and have pushed me to, uh, in in many ways, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I just the fact to have someone that believe in you, yeah, and they see something. I'm like, if they're seeing something, how can I tell them it's not true? Or you know, I have to try. Right. Talk to me about then connecting that time between now and where you're creating now at the Norton, and that, and that, that getting out of Puerto Rico. Because I guess there's a mm-hmm. there's a phase where you decided that there was something that you wanted to do that was off the island that was on mainland because that brought you to New York tell, yes. tell me about that so I left I left Puerto Rico in 2008 to do my master's degree at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago um, uh, I think it was the right moment I graduated from my undergrad in 2005 if I uh, 2004 I think <laughs> in La Escuela de Plásticas in, in Old San Juan and <clears throat> It took me like four years or three years. Uh, we, uh, anyway, I I have worked, again, many things, but always like continue my practice as an artist, always pushing, always, even, th- even though I had a day job, I would like continue my art. What what kind of day job were you doing? You're in Chicago, what kind of thing are in you Chicago doing? In Chicago and Puerto Rico. Well, now, I'm, now you put Let's me in Chicago. Chicago. I'm thinking of you as this, growing up in tropical Puerto Rico, yes, right? Yes. And now you're in Chicago. My nephew's there right now, and I know it's it's negative, uh, negative whatever it is right yes. now. How yes. did that affect, I mean, obviously it affected you, and, and you're the vehicle of the art. Yeah. How did that affect your desire, your ability to create? Um, so when I arrived, I, comp- I fell in love with the architecture mm. of the city. Incredible um, architecture, yeah. It's very different, different parts, different neighborhoods. Um, I've, I like the people, was very nice. Um, I went in the spring, so... If you were fooled, you're like, oh, this is nice. This yes. is cool weather. I'll just put on a jacket. And Chicago <laughs> knows that. <laughs> Chicago plays for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they plant during the winter a lot of flowers that will bloom exactly in the spring. In the spring. Which is when I arrive and I'm like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And they do it. I think, this is my theory, I think Chicago do it so people don't leave <laughs> right right no that's and it's a great idea yes Let's because every this... winter people are like enough enough i'm leaving spring comes everything blooms activities in the park chicago's you the best the, the, the city <laughs> summer is amazing there and then you're like oh maybe one more year and then suddenly you're again in fall December right and you got seven yes. layers on yes and and so talk to me about how that how that um, influenced your art because you're so much of your art is like is I feel like is transporting is like looking up at the sky that you looked up in the tropics mm-hmm. and kind of feeling like we're all under the same sky like all yeah. these things under the same sky how did you use how did you transport you know your roots when you're creating so far away so far from home well one of the reasons that I selected to go to Chicago and, and stay there in that school. Um, 
the school is amazing. But also when I went to the interview in the painting department and I go up the building um, that that faced the lake mm. and faced Millennium Park, mm-hmm. I saw the or horizon line of the lake. And it's a lake that looks like a sea. You don't see the other side. Right. You, know? you forget that it's a lake. And that horizon line and that blue water, I mean, less blue than the one in Puerto Rico. Of course, of um, course. <laughs> but it's, it gives you this illusion, and I felt, oh, this could be, this could be home, you know, home for a while. Our guest today is Nora Maite Nieves. She's currently the artist-in-residence at the Norton Museum of Art in West Palm Beach. Her exhibit, Clouds in the Expanded Field, is now open at the Norton. Its uh, showing has been extended through July 7th. We, we were talking about how you're, like, coming to the mainland, mm-hmm. being in a place like Chicago, which is so different, um, how that kind of changed your the trajectory of your of your art and your mm-hmm. career. Um, talk to me about that. Like, what was the big moment that was, like, the next big hitch, the next thing that got you going in a different direction? So when I moved to Chicago, I wanted, in, in my um, master, mm-hmm. I wanted to question myself. I wanted to uh, make new questions in my art. And I forced myself into that uh, space of unknown a little bit mm-hmm. to dig in and find something new. And I always was interest, interest, interested in painting as an object. And and that means, what that means is like painting as a sculpture, um, painting, breaking the boundaries of the frame and what questioning what painting is. Um, in the idea of like you know, what it could be, right? That idea of of <coughs> coming three D from the two D. Exactly. I got you. And and so what it, what was the first moment? Like the first thing that you tell me about some of those moments where you where you begin to to, to expand. You know. So leaving Puerto Rico, you don't think about where you. I, I mean, you can, but sometimes when you leave, you start missing, and you start thinking about the place that you left. Oh, nostalgia is such a powerful, powerful uh, engine, right? Engine. And anyway, I wanted to understand why I was interested in space and why I wanted to take the painting from the wall to space. And I started doing a lot of mental mental maps Mm -hmm. um, that included mental maps with uh, words of all my influences and and all the things that connect and inspire my work. And also started making a lot of drawings of all the places I live in and floor plans. It was a very lineal floor plans of from memory from the first house that I remember until the one I was in the moment. And <clears throat> I realized all the places I live in. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of places. <laughs> you started counting like what? A couple dozen? I what, think I, I end up like more than 20. Wow. Wow. And, and I thought, oh, maybe this is why I'm interested in space. Uh, maybe Because you're constantly being introduced to new ones. And, to new and ones. you're interacting with new spaces. A little bit like a no- nomad, a little bit. <laughs> and it has many reasons why that this happened. Um, but I felt there's something here. I want to explore it. And I felt the reason why I had like some sort of like lack of ownership to space mm. was because of the moving. And, and I never like embraced the place like mine because I know I'm going to move in next year. So 
I don't decorate. I don't do anything. I, I just like keep moving. Oh, this kind of rootless experience. It's rootless experience. Mm. Even though I have no doubt of where I come from, where my family, like this bigger idea about home as an identity, I didn't have that um, doubt in that. But I have the doubt to space. I have the doubt like where where place where home is and it felt that home was in my memory home was in the experience of all those places and i was like how can i bring that into my work how can i talk about it because i just don't i just didn't want to talk about all oh, like me 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 uh me seeing all these places mm -hmm. or like having this experience i wanted i felt like this sense of belonging to place and space i think is a universal it's a collective experience right. to well, everyone. Have a place that they feel they belong or, or a specific pl home or something that reminds them good or bad memories. Did, did you move around a lot when you were a kid? Yes. Yeah, so 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 there has to be a part of you that, that has to... Find, find yes. gra ground. Right. And I felt, I think I can find ground through my work hmm. in my paintings. And there's something there that I maybe can connect with others in an open way that share my experience but also connect with theirs right and that's how i started to develop and that that was a big shift in my work and what i did is like all this knowledge of an interest about materiality of painting i move it in this direction and how can i use this toolbox that i have as a painter hmm. in the new work and i started developing my own techniques of like how to make tiles out of paint and how to make, uh, I wanted to make reference to floor plans. I wanted to make reference to floor tiles that I remember um, mm -hmm. to ornamentation of architecture. You're building pieces of your, yes. of this, of this new home for yourself yes. through your art. That's so through interesting. Through my art. And it's kind of like a collage. It's kind of like making a composition like a collage, which is something that I would do a lot and think in that way as a designer. So I've, that, those things that we talk at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. Um, like how I can bring all these things together. And I felt like the designer in me started to think and bring in like, oh, you know, how, how can I like put all this like experiences into one's, into a thing in my artwork. And you know, that, that's, that gives me so much insight into this one piece that you have. Uh, just as you started uh, at the Norton, there's mm -hmm. a piece that's running simultaneously in New York City. Uh -huh. um, it's the uh, talk to me about that. It's the um, it's the Times Square's Midnight Moment yes. exhibition, and it's yes. I want to say it's the largest and l longest running public uh, digital public arts uh, display in the world. Yes, um, is what I was reading. So yes. tell me about that. So it's um, I, I think I remember reading it's uh, it displays. It's a piece of, of video art, of motion art, that displays on Times Square at 11.57 p.m. every night through the month of February. Yes. So talk to me through that, because it does feel like architectural bits moving in space. Yes. Which is you. <laughs> yeah. So um, the Midnight Moment is, is a project uh, of Times Square Arts, and it happens every month. It's a different artist. Anyone, please, I encourage everyone to go to the website and apply for it. Anyone? that wants to introduce their medium of video, they can apply. In this case, um, I was invited to submit um, Arden Sherman, which is the curator of the Northern Museum of Art, of the Contemporary Art. Um, she invited me 
and she proposed this is how everything started hmm. uh, the idea of the residency and the show and everything wow and she i know her from new york city we worked together in hunter east Arlen gallery um it's a, one of the hunter college um galleries in the city and she was the art director i was the gallery manager so i worked hand to hand with her and she knew my work and knew me. You, anyway. were, you were handling and, and considering other people's artwork. Yes. In the meantime, working on your own w- stuff. Working my own stuff. And she knew my work. She had visited my studio many times. And she called me, I think, last year in, not in 2022, like in November. And, and she's like, would you like to submit a piece of video for Times Square Arts for the Minor Moment? And I said, Oh my God, I would love to, but it's a video. <laughs> I don't make video. Right, you're I'm like, a I'm a painter. And she's like, oh, you can do it. I'm sure you can transfer your work into a video. I took the challenge. It was very challenging. <laughs> it was. But again, I can do it. I'm going to push through. And she believed it. I mean, she saw it. She knew I can do it. I tried. We submitted first a first draft. Times Square said, we like it, but it have to be better. Oh, so okay. I so enough enough to not say no, but enough to say, give us more. Give us more. Interesting. And they said, you need, uh, what about you hire a videographer that can help you with, with the project? And I did. I invited um, uh, Dan Schofield. He's a multimedia artist in New York City. And he loved the project and the idea, and he took hands with me. Uh, talk to me about, because uh, I know it's obviously going to be running uh, in Times Square. Like I yes. said, at 11.57, mm-hmm. it runs for three minutes. Yeah. Three minutes and change uh, from 11.57 to midnight. Um, but for the folks that are down here that might not yes, see it, is yes, there a yes. place that they can they can go? Because yes. I'm, I'm actually, I have it on screen right here. And it's it's uh, it's kind of, it's really visually interesting. Okay. I mean, folks have to go find so, it. So, okay. So the video that is in, will be in Times Square for the month of February, mm-hmm. it's actually part of the show. So the full video, which is three minutes, 56 seconds, the one in Times Square is a shorter version of three minutes. Um, and it's, and it's a bit, so anybody who goes to the Norton Anyone exhibit. that goes to the Norton Museum of Art to see my show, Clouds in the Expanded Fields, will like, first, before entering the, the gallery, they will like encounter the video in multiple screens. We try to emulate Times Square um, setup Oh, that's uh, excellent! In the in the museum, so they will have the chance to see and experience the video as well here in South Florida. And look at you, this thing so, that you were yeah. so that you were so anxious about, right? Yes. Of creating the creating this brand new medium for mm-hmm. you, really working in this brand new medium, is now the entrance. Is the is the kind it's of the, the beginning of the show? The epilogue to your work, or the yes. uh, the the prologue to your work? Yes, and um, it's a video. It's called Eyes of the Sea, and just. Um, just to see, I'll say a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. It's like a fantasy mythology of my work through. Um, it's uh, starting through the eyes of the breeze blocks. They become eyes in the video, and then you go and see the water, and they start this like um, journey of this like kind of like look like fish and they become like people and they l- go to land and they dance on, on colonial tiles and they, they become like this flower and the flower become an eye. It's interesting because I think most of us, especially if you're in South Florida, you 
pro- there's a good chance your house has some breeze blocks built into it somewhere. And you can almost uh, imagine a world where you're kind of looking through them mm-hmm. and experiencing this kind of kaleidoscope on the other side of it. And, and I get that sense from your work is a little bit of like this looking through a kaleidoscope. And I Exactly. And I wanted, when I thought about Times Square and the invitation to submit this project, um, I thought of like, how can I bring something from home to Times Square? How can I change the temperature of Times Square, which is like, mm, and more that. in the winter, um, how can I bring this warmness into the space? How can I occupy the space? Right. February in Puerto Rico. It's very different. Than February in New, in New York, York City. City. <laughs> so, um, so I have all these things in my head when I decided to plan what's going to happen in the video and what the narrative and what, how the things were going to move in the paint. So the video is really like parts of my paintings that I edited and I cut it and I created this like narrative and parts that move is a stop motion kind of like mm-hmm. type of, of video. Um, is the first one and I think it's not going to be the last one because I really like the medium and I want to integrate it, integrate it in new installations um, but it just open up this opportunity open up um, a new territory for me and I think it happened through the encouragement of a great creator in West Palm Beach and Arden Sherman uh, which is also a South uh, a Floridian uh, uh, creator. <laughs> she's from Florida. So um, she's doing a, like a great job uh, bringing new voices into the museum and bringing like Caribbean voices. I think mm. she thinks it's very important the museum can reflect. I mean, this is what I think, right? It's my opinion. <laughs> You're looking around the but, museum. But what I'm seeing is that she's, she's bringing this... Uh, highlighting and bringing this voice so people that also are from here feel identified when they walk into the museum and they can find themselves. And I think that's very important to the Hispanic community, which is, I think, is so part of Florida. That's interesting. Talk to me about, you know, throughout this process and now working in a in a place that's like Puerto Rico, but not, but has influences from mm-hmm. other places. Talk to me about how that's affected what you're thinking about next the art that you're thinking about that it's pushing you towards now because this exhibit is what you were thinking about yes. up to this point talk to me about what you're thinking about now just as we have a few minutes left um i think uh i think the exhibition have pushed me to um and the residency and and it's pushing me to be more sculptural it's pushing me to bring some of the paintings into the floor mm. three-dimensional um, I also experience, which I, I can say, and I invite everyone to, to go to West Palm Beach and visit the Anne Norton Sculptural Gardens that are not part, not, not affiliated to the Norton Museum, but she was the second wife of Norton. Well, hopefully, a whole history there. Well, yeah. well hopefully, uh, when the next time we have you on, we yes, can have yes, you yes. talk about the, the sculptor. But, but <laughs> go, and, and, and that really inspired me a lot. Um, in this visit, and I think that will be be part of the work, the new work. Nora, well, thank you so much for coming in and spending time with us and telling us so much about yourself and your work. Thank you. Our guest today was Nora Maite Nieves. She's currently the artist-in-residence at the Norton Museum of Art in West Palm Beach. Her exhibit, Clouds in the Expanded Field, is open at the Norton, and it's running through July 7th. 
Her work will also be featured in the Times Square Midnight Moments exhibition. You can see it uh, every night and the whole month of February at 11.57 p.m. And that's Sundown for Thursday, January 18th. Leslie Ovalle Atkinson is our lead producer. Our producer is Elisa Baena. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our Director of Live Programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and our engineer is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Balo at GoBalo.com. Coming up next week on the program, Liberty City is 12 feet above sea level, and that's the highest and driest ground in Miami. A new documentary explores how climate gentrification is affecting its residents. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.